Hey everybody, this is Nathan Bryant, lead pastor at Grace City Church in Jackson, Mississippi. And I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast this week. On Sunday, August the 7th, we started a new series at Grace City Church called Why Church? Now typically we get a live recording of the sermon either at the 9 o'clock or the 10.30 service, but this week we had some technical difficulties. And so I'm recording a shorter version of the sermon from my office in the middle of the week and hope that as you listen, you're encouraged and have better answers to the question, why church? So why church? It's a question more and more people are asking if we're still enough to listen. As the world changes, social norms evolve, we become more exposed to more news, more information, more opinions than ever before. Why church? Why should someone still choose to attend and be involved with the church? And why any particular church? So if you go to church, why Grace City? Maybe you've been around or taken part in conversations where questions like these come up and get discussed. Maybe you're the one asking these kind of questions. So for the next few weeks, we're going to take an honest look at these questions and others like them. I hope to provoke some conversation outside of the sermon in your life. And I hope to show you a few answers, good answers, I think, that the Bible gives to questions like these. I'm so glad you've joined us. So let's jump in. You know, there was a time not so long ago that no one really questioned whether or not the existence of the Christian church was good for society. Even those who believed different things or believed in nothing at all could point to the significant impact that the Christian church was making in places like education, healthcare, and caring for those on the fringes of society, those with the most need. But ask any person on the street in any major city across the country today, and you are likely to get as many, if not more, negative responses to the, is the Christian church good for America question. Now, we can point to the media or Hollywood or certain famous people, even politicians, and say they're the ones to blame. But if we're honest, it's the church that's mostly to blame for people not liking or respecting the church like it once did. A long line of sexual and financial scandals, outspoken church leaders who seem more interested in politics than pointing people to Jesus, and regular church-going people like you and me miss the chance to live in a beautiful countercultural way. There's nothing different about our lives that's pointing back to what's different, of course, that being our faith in Christ. You see, all of these things have contributed to the current state of public opinion about the church. Even people who identify as Christian have found reasons to stop attending or committing to a local church. Life is busy. Maybe you've been hurt by or hurt in the church. Or you feel like you can be more honest and transparent outside the church than you ever have been inside the church. So that begs the question, does the church still have a meaningful place in an ever-changing world? I believe the answer to that question lies in what the Bible teaches us about who and what the church was intended to be. What do I mean when I say the church? I'm not talking about a building or an organization. What you'll find in the New Testament of the Bible is that a church is a community of people redeemed by Jesus, living in unity with him and each other. So a community of people, a group of people, but they're redeemed by Jesus, which means they found a commonality in the fact that they've surrendered to the lordship of Jesus and their life. Redeemed is a, is a fancy way of saying purchased, meaning Jesus' death purchased their life by forgiving them. 
They have found commonality because they have a faith in Christ as the Savior of the world. Now, there's a difference between the church, in kind of a universal sense, and a local church, like Grace City Jackson. You hear people talk about the church like it's this really big thing, like the American church or the, the universal church. Now, I've never seen a First Baptist Church of America or First Presbyterian or First Methodist or American Community Church or anything like that. But when people talk about the church in that kind of broad, universal way, what they typically mean is all of the Christians in a particular place. So when we talk about the American church, people just talk about everybody who considers themselves to be a Christian in America. But what we find in Scripture is that more often than not, the word church, or the Greek word ekklesia, is referring to a local community of believers in a specific place at a specific time. In fact, most of the New Testament letters are written to people in churches like this. So the church at Ephesus is, of course, the recipients of the letter to the Ephesians that Paul wrote. Colossians and Romans and First and Second Corinthians, all of that the same. In the book of Revelation, there are a few uh, references to a universal church, but that's more of all the believers of all time, referring to this kind of grand reunion we'll have when we come together in heaven. So that's kind of the difference between the universal and the local church, and that's the who the church is. So what was it intended to be and do? Well, the simple answer is people who choose to join together to encourage and equip one another to continue the work that Jesus started. Now, that's kind of a loaded statement, but it starts by people choosing to join together. There is some free will and some opportunity for people to choose a particular local church. Now, that local church is people who have chosen to commit to one another, but they do so and live life together because they want to encourage one another and equip one another, help people understand how they can continue the work that Jesus started. I know this to be true because Jesus said himself in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 12, he says, truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. He doubles down on this in the next sentence. He says, and he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. So you see, Jesus is setting the stage for when he is taken back up into heaven that we read about at the beginning of the book of Acts. He's saying, I've started something, this, this redeeming the world, this saving the world from their sin. I have initiated that by dying on the cross and rising from the dead, but you need to continue this work. Of course, he goes into greater depth with Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. Go to all nations in Acts chapter 1 where he kind of maps it out, starting here in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the ends of the earth. Jesus gave them a vision for carrying out this work that he had started. He specifically told the disciples that God sent him to seek and save the lost. That's in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And that's certainly something he's asked the church to be a part of. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, we have this beautiful picture of not just the mission that we've been given, but also the, the job title that he has for us. He starts there, Paul writes, Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Reconciling means to, to heal a broken relationship, to fix what has been broken. That's what God was doing in sending Jesus. But he continues to write, he was not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us, the church. He finishes in verse 20 by saying, therefore, 
We are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. There it is, our job title, ambassadors for Christ. Now you may know what an ambassador is, but it's someone that's living in a, a foreign land, a foreign country, if you will, representing the place where they're from, the place in which they're a citizen. So the American ambassador to France lives in France, but he's an American citizen. And likewise, we should consider ourselves citizens of the kingdom of God that are living on earth in the United States, perhaps, at this particular time, but we don't belong here. Our citizenship is not to this world that we're in. It's to that greater kingdom and family that God has called us to. And we plead with people to be reconciled to God. We do this through our words, our actions, our expressions, our attitudes. And we do this, yes, because it's the job that Jesus has given us, but also because in Jesus we have found a different kind of life that the world cannot provide. You see, here's the bottom line. Every person who has ever lived does so in search of significance, meaning, purpose, or fulfillment. That longing is built into our design. And the world is full of people and products and companies and organizations that offer to meet these deep longings. But nothing can satisfy like a genuine relationship with Jesus. That's why you'll meet men and women who seemingly have everything the world has to offer and still looking for more. Listen to what Jesus said about this situation that we find ourselves in. In Matthew chapter 7, as he's finishing up his Sermon on the Mount, he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. It's almost like Jesus is telling us that the marketplace of the world that we live in is going to be full of ideas and prescriptions for helping people get the most out of life. That's typically what we're trying to do, make the most of the time we have. And Jesus said it would always be this way. And his instruction here is, with all of the options that are available to you, to look for the narrow gate. That's the one that leads to real life. And later in his ministry, he made things crystal clear about that narrow gate. In John chapter 10, starting in verse 7, he said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus doesn't mince words here. He's saying every other option you have, as appealing as it may seem, will lead to a less than ideal existence. Jesus came to earth. He died on a cross for your sins. He rose from the dead so that you might have life, real life, eternal life, and abundant life to the full. So in answer to my original question, does the church still have a meaningful place in an ever-changing world? I see nothing in these verses or anyone else, anywhere else, that would say the world changing or public opinion changes, that it changes our charter, our mission, or our reason for existing. We need to be mindful of the things happening in culture. We should be aware of how we are living out our faith and careful not to give any outsider to the faith a reason not to consider Jesus because our actions don't line up with what we say we believe to be true. But hear this. The church is now God's primary instrument for pointing a broken, hurting, and lost world to a healing, loving, and perfect Savior. 
The church exists to be a community in which and through which people can discover life, the kind of life that satisfies the deepest longings of our heart and soul. We are the reconciled, the invited, and we're saying, be reconciled. You're invited. God loves you, and he has a plan for your life that is better than anything the world has to offer if you'll just trust him and come into his family. Because no matter how much the world grows and progresses and learns from its mistakes of the past, nothing in it will ever be able to offer eternal, abundant life. So yeah, I think there is still a strong reason for the church to exist. And I think it's important that we not simply exist, but that we really work to get this whole ambassador thing right. So why Grace City, right? A second question that naturally follows the first is, if church, then which church? Why should you attend Grace City Church or give to the church or volunteer? Now, most people will choose a church because of the preaching or the music or, or the people. And let me hear you say, or let me tell you this. You're never going to get the best preaching at Grace City Church, at least as long as I'm the lead pastor. And I think our music is fantastic, but it might not be the style that you like the most. And we're certainly going to have off days. And when it comes to people, well, I would say I've never found better people in any other church. We're still people, which means we're going to let you down. I never think you're going to find any person that's not going to let you down at some point. Besides, there are lots of churches in the Jackson area. Even in our own neighborhood, you've got Broad Meadow Methodist, Fresh Start Christian Church, Redeemer just down the street, St. Richard Catholic Church just behind us. And most of you who attend Grace City don't even live in this neighborhood. You're driving in from places like Madison and Canton and Brandon and Flowood and Pearl. And besides all that, we're not all that big. I mean, you probably want to be a part of a place that's going to make a big impact. Well, there are much larger churches in town. What impact can we really make? Now, you can probably tell I'm not a salesman and this is not a sales pitch. But I do want to give an answer to these questions. The questions like, is there a place for Grace City in this city? And is Grace City the right place for you to be all in, right? Not just attend from time to time, but really be all in. So let me share just a couple things that I know to be true. The first is this. This church, Grace City, was God's idea. Now, he put that idea in the heart and mind of David Hederman and Rich Price and about 30 others back in 2009, 2010. But they were both happily doing ministry in another church in town, and, and they didn't necessarily need the challenge of planning a church. God gave them this idea. So this church was God's idea. The second thing is the place the church meets, this campus here at Northside Drive and Manhattan Road, this was also God's plan. Because up until 2018, Grace City Church was a portable church, meaning we were loading in and loading out of different places for almost eight years. And God made an opportunity for us to move into this building here in this particular community. And so this place and location was also God's plan. The last thing I want to share, and this is just obvious, but you're either here at church today listening or you're listening to the podcast. And wherever you live, you choose to listen. Now, I know we're not the biggest church in town or even in this neighborhood, but each of us that are attending this church now or listening to this message, we need to grow in our understanding and experience with the kind of abundant and eternal life that only Jesus can provide. This church exists to help you do that, to find life in Christ, to better understand life in Christ, and to experience abundant life with Christ. I believe we all have room to grow in that, and this church is committed to helping you do that. 
The second thing is this campus, our location, is surrounded by kids and teens and adults and families who need to experience the kind of life that only a healing, loving, and perfect Savior can provide. And so our location is critical to reaching these kids, teens, adults, and families. And finally, your life. You're surrounded in the places outside of this community, in the places where you live, work, and play, by people who need to experience the kind of life that only Jesus can provide. And so you need to be equipped and trained and encouraged to share that with the people that are in your life in all of these places. I think this church is special and unique, and I wouldn't want to pastor any other church anywhere. I believe in Grace City Church of Jackson. We've made this idea of discovering life in Christ our main thing. And I truly believe that if you'll show up consistently, invest your resources, find some community, use your gifts as we serve one another in the community around us, you will discover the kind of abundant life that Jesus had in mind. But I'd be remiss if I didn't make this one final point. This kind of life can only be found when you put God and others first. In Romans chapter 12, Paul writes and gives them an instruction. He says, I want you to consider your life as a living sacrifice. Think about that. Think about the imagery, a sacrifice, something that you're willing to give up, something that you're willing to lay down and surrender. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. You see, Jesus isn't the cherry on top or the finishing touch on the good life you've already built for yourself. He's not a band-aid. He's not a bonus. He died to save you so that you might experience real life in him. He actually said it this way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6. And so the questions I have for you this morning, or as you're listening to this, might be, are you willing to surrender your life to experience abundant life in Jesus? Are you willing to lay it all down and exchange your life for the one that he has for you? And the second question is, how might being a part of Grace City's family help you do this? Will you pray with me? Father, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to share a little bit about why the church exists and what makes Grace City unique. I pray that anyone that hears this message might be encouraged to seek places in their life where they might surrender and lay down more of their own ideas and more of their own uh, vision for who they were created to be in exchange for who you have called them to be, that they would experience abundant life, the life that is better and greater than anything they could imagine for themselves. And Father, I pray that Grace City might be a place where people could grow to understand and experience this, where they could share their gifts so that others might experience that as well, and they'd be equipped and encouraged to share that everywhere they go. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.